Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with actress Caitlin Carmichael. Her new film, Roadkill, comes out January 5th, basically everywhere, uh, on-demand streaming. It's based in 1983, which is wild because you are you are a young actress, so I want to dive into how that felt to kind of experience that. But also, it stars uh, Daniel Harris, Ryan Knudsen, Knudsen, I'm so sorry, uh, Warren. Yeah, you got it. Like, right in between the two. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it stars Warren Fass. He also wrote and directed it. I spoke to him a couple days ago, and he's just the sweetest, isn't he? I know, right? And he wore so many hats throughout this production. It's, it's so impressive. Right. And then there's the film and you're like, this sweetheart wrote that? It's a real ride. No pun intended because you play, uh, the, your part is just basically the driver. You're a lost young woman, foolishly or calculatingly pick up a hitchhiker and everything goes to hell. So I want to j- jump right in. Again, it comes out January 5th. It's very ambiguous. It's twisty. You think you know, but you really have no idea. So Take me into it. He also mentioned that it was like 20 and 30 degrees when you were filming and he had and shorts. So we're going to we're going to cover everything. So take me into it. How did it feel to be a 1980s baby? I have always loved old music. I've been told I had an old soul from a really young age, and that was just fostered through a love of 70s music my entire life. So I felt a little at home in my bell bottom jeans. I can't lie. (laughs) It was it was comfortable for you. Oh no, it definitely was. Is it something that love of like older music that your parents just really fostered in you? Like I I remember like saying to friends, "Oh my god, I love ABBA" or you know um, Neil Diamond for crying out loud, and they're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Well, that's what my parents listen to. It's you know it's good music." And and until you get out of like your house and you're like, "There's other stuff." So was that something like you were listening to your parents' records or tapes and just loved it? Actually, my favorite movie growing up was Mamma Mia. My mom and I saw it in the theater countless times so I could go and dance. And that really put me onto the whole ABBA discography, I guess, and just had a love of old music and particularly 70s music ever since. Um, I still love music that's contemporary but has that influence that's very obvious from older genres. So it was really fun to get to do a movie that we tell you when the time is, but there's something about it that feels very familiar and you kind of don't know when you are or where exactly you are that's disorienting a bit as a viewer to watch. And I really love that. It just adds to this um, ambiguous, very confusing ambiance, like you mentioned. Right. And it's not a frustrating confusion at all. It's an entertaining confusion, but it is timeless. Like just the the absence of some things that would put it in this time frame like she doesn't have a cell phone you know just things like that but it could be like you said it could be any time it could be 83 it could be 23 i don't know it's just something so brilliant about the way he wrote that because it would have been so easy for your character or the hitchhiker if he if he you know had a cell phone to be like uh, 911 (laughs) excuse me right have an issue so yeah i think it's i think it's awesome Real quick tangent, do you love Queen as much as I do? I do love Queen. Oh my gosh, I'm in the mood to listen to some music and have a dance party now. Nice. What is your favorite? I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite Queen song? 
Mm, let me look at my playlist, actually. I, someone was asking me about this yesterday, and I have my whole Spotify. Um, wow. Probably Love of My Life, I think. That's my favorite. No freaking way. I was just about to say, while she's looking that up, let me tell you mine. That's mine, too. So beautiful. And in the Bohemian Rhapsody film, this that song in the movie was just oh so beautiful. Absolutely. A thousand percent. And there's so many, so many good ones. I, I would say Love of My Life was actually like the lullaby for my son. Like I would sing it to him. And to see if you've ever seen like video footage, we're on a tangent, people. Uh, if you've ever seen video footage of Brian and Freddie singing it together. And then I saw uh, Brian, Roger, and I always forget his name, Paul Rogers, when they were together doing the performance. And he did it with the empty stool, and I bawled my eyes out. He, oh, I, was, I would too. I was, I was a puddle on the, on the, in the bleachers. I was gone. I'm like, just scoop me up, sweep me away. I'm done. It's such a beautiful song. That and Who Wants to Live Forever, instant waterworks. It's beautiful. Okay, we're off our tangent. Back to the film. I wondered as, you know, as I was watching and I'm like, this is a really young actress and nothing wrong with it. But I was just like, to put her in this situation, but you were already there. You were already that old soul. So that's so freaking cool. Thank you. And something that um, has been kind of a through line throughout my career as a child actor is I've typically worked mostly on programs that were catered towards adult audiences and had darker themes and I've been used to kind of growing up as the only kid on the set in a sense but this was one of my first roles that was based on a young adult teenage girl but has a lot of nuance and darkness and maturity in its themes which was really cool to explore from a bit of an older perspective transitioning into more of an adult career. As a child on set usually like you said uh, being the only child on set were you in danger of having like the Drew Barrymore experience or were you kept like, were your parents like so hands-on that they kept you like insulated? Like we're not going to be going out to the bars with the crew <laughs> after work. Oh yeah, abs absolutely not. Definitely. I've pro I'm probably an outlier to the majority of very traumatizing case stories that you hear. But I think a big part of it has to do with the fact that I am the only person in my family who's ever explored a, career like that my family is from the south has uh, very traditional childhoods and strong morals and values and that has guided my childhood and those values from my mom have been instilled in me and she wanted to make sure that I was always having the opportunity to just be a real kid and this wasn't my only world so to speak and even though the entertainment industry was always what I wanted to do when I wanted to go to set and that was my favorite playground. My mom kept me really involved with my friends who were just normal kids, went to public school. I was really involved with our church, played sports growing up. So I had lots of quote unquote normalcy outside of this that kept me grounded and really keeps everything into perspective because it can be very challenging to wrap your head around as a child if this is your whole world and your whole sense of self-worth is placed on whether or not you're booking auditions or hearing back on them. That could be so debilitating. So I always had things going on 
outside of just auditions and acting that kept me happy and social. And that has had such a positive impact on my life. I think that's something as a parent as well is kind of to make like a, like a sports metaphor. You really might not want your kid to play football, but if they're so freaking adamant about it, you're like, okay, but I, as your parent, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you're as protected and as safe as possible doing this thing that you love. That's and, a great way to describe it. Yeah, and, and as you said, like, if you didn't get the audition, it, you know, your mom could be like, oh, I'm sorry about that, babe. But, um, but also your recitals tonight. Isn't that exciting? It's like distraction and support and protection. And oh, my God, I can't imagine. <laughs> it allowed acting for me to always just be fun and I was doing it because I love to there was no sense of pressure on me to continue and it was totally up to me whether or not I wanted to keep auditioning and I always did but the fact that I was never pressured into it or forced to continue or had a lot of pressure put on me to feel the need to succeed to live up to a sense of self-worth in my parents eyes or my family's and it was just always fun for me and I think that's why I preserved that love for it so much and in the child set safety laws you have to have a studio teacher who is with you at all times my kindergarten teacher actually got certified to be my onset teacher she's one of our closest family friends began traveling with me from the age of seven on i think so she traveled with me my mom had to be within 20 feet of me at all times on a set and was constantly with me and having that support system around me of people advocating for me and looking out for me was was so beneficial and it's unfortunate like you mentioned with the drew barrymore case that not everyone has had that support system that i did so it really puts it into perspective how fortunate i am to have had those people around me right a thousand percent and we've all heard like the horror stories that have come out of you know hollywood it's like uh sexual assault sorry sexual assault uh, you know, uh, child abuse, just even just like giving kids drugs and alcohol. And it's like, what the heck is going on? Like you hear the Corey Feldman's, the Corey Hames, the Drew Barrymore's, you know, think she's on a beautiful tra uh, trajectory now because she knows what happened at that time was not cool. And it was not, it was because she didn't have that loving mom. We're getting all serious. I'm sorry. Because she didn't have that loving mom or loving dad to be there and say, whoa, 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 my daughter's not going to smoke a joint with you. <laughs> Right. And I was so like sheltered isn't the right word because I wasn't a sheltered child, but I was so sheltered from all of those negative things in the industry and just allowed to preserve my innocence and youth as much as possible. And that was so important for my mom being in the scary world of Los Angeles. None of our family has ever lived there. So it was so important for me to just or it was so important to her for me to just get to be a real kid, like I mentioned. And it sounds like they they juggled it really well. And it's almost it feels like kind of like an extracurricular, another extracurricular. That's a great way to describe it. My mom has always instilled the value of getting a good education in me. I was always very academically driven. Um, I just finished my degree at UCLA. Going to college was really important to me. And it's really just expanded my network of meeting friends who have such different backgrounds than me and who are passionate about different careers other than me. That's also been something that I think is so important when 
you're working in this industry, it can get competitive between a lot of people all wanting to do the same thing. So within those people, finding the friends who will support you and cheer you on and be happy for your success as much as they would their own, and also having friends to ground you outside of this world. Absolutely. What did you get your degree in? Oh, I got my degree. I double majored in American literature and culture and sociology, and then I minored in film. That's awesome. That's awesome. I just finished a class in, uh, it was like short story analysis. And we, it was like, we covered the 100 best short stories in America or something like that from like 1900 to 2010. It's, it just ignited, it like reignited the fire that I have inside for literature. So the fact that you majored, so good. I love reading. I love writing. And my major is basically English lit through the lens of gender studies, philosophy, religion, politics, and culture focused on the American literary canon specifically. So it's been so insightful just, and it also, I think just being at such a liberal arts school that's rooted in the heart of the entertainment industry, so many of the classes overlap with studies of film and TV and other types of media, which has been so beneficial for my career. So Mm -hmm. I've loved it. Well, now I want to have you come back <laughs> and we can oh, lo- the longest tangent ever. Sorry. I'm, I'm such a rambler. No girl, you're in the right place. Let me tell you. No, but I, I would, I seriously would love to have you come back so we can do some, some literature loving. Uh, my co-host that's not here today. She is a writer. So she's going to flip her lid. If we can sit and talk books and stories for like a half an hour. <laughs> what kind of writing does she do? I call them, well, I would say they're bodice rippers. They're romance. They're, um, what is it when they're like about families and situations and just, I don't know, normal life. Okay. <laughs> but she writes, uh, her name's Kira Lane. She has a book that's coming out. Uh, selfless plug. She has a book coming out in January. It's called Vanity Affair. And it's a gender swap of, um, I'm forgetting who they are. It's Pride and Prejudice. Anyways, it's her take on an old story and she's flipped the, the main characters, she's split the gender, she's added, um, uh, you know, she's added queer elements to it because uh, we're representatives. And uh, that sounds awesome. I would love to read that. I'm gonna have to write that down. Or I'll reach out and get more info about it. Absolutely. But we love to read, we love to write. I that well, the reason I hesitate is not because I'm not her biggest fan, but it's because I write horror and sci fi. So I'm like, what's it called when you all your people get along and don't kill each other. <laughs> what? what is- I know. I've all, I've loved horror movies growing up, and I always have like it's my guilty pleasure genre. Right? They cast you, and you're like, "We're kissing? Why? <laughs> Gross. Why?" I think it's a lot of fun, though. It's a lot of fun to and not to just you know not your average granny's book club kind of conversation. I think it's fun to like break it down and to have people that you can you have a work in progress be like. Hey, can you t- can you read these pages? I, something's off. So I think it's really cool. I think we we definitely have to come back. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I when I talked to Warren, he um I was not always, but I kind of always ask like, where are you calling in from? He said he was in Florida, and I'm like, I'm in Florida right now too. That's so crazy. We actually filmed the movie in Panama City Beach. Um, I as I mentioned, I was originally born in Georgia, so I've been there before, but never in the winter. The 20, 30 degree weather, like the coldest winter I think Panama City Beach has ever seen. Uh, it 
did not stop my mom and me from venturing to the beach. So we enjoyed it there. But the PCB community was so hospitable, so kind. Everyone was so welcoming to us and just really extended their efforts so graciously to make our production amazing, whether it be the catering that showed up that was so good and just people uh, around town who made accommodations for us and welcomed us with their family and their homes just I, I cannot even describe in words how kind those people were they really made this film what it is it sounds like it was an amazing experience and I have to think that having those those um those acts of kindness or the the comforts have to be such like a balm to your soul after filming like heavy material all day and you're like oh no we're having a home-cooked meal this is awesome I'm decompressing now <laughs> one of my favorite memories actually was when we had just filmed an overnight shoot most of the film was night shoots I was like completely nocturnal for the three weeks we were filming um, except for those couple of days but those day scenes were mostly mornings after we had been filming all night a couple of them but uh we had just completed a night shoot after one of the biggest fight scenes of towards the climactic ending. And Ryan Knudsen, who plays the hitchhiker, and myself and my mom, we were like, you know what sounds good right now? Waffle House. So we put back on our normal clothes, decided to go to a Waffle House nearby. We had become so desensitized to seeing each other in blood and makeup and stuff. We realized when we went into the Waffle House that totally looked like I looked like I was being held hostage um and the poor waitress in the Waffle House I, I really think we traumatized her a bit she was just terrified and it wasn't until our food had already come out that we had to bring her over and explain but of course it sounded like a fake story we're filming a movie I'm a driver he's a hitchhiker it just it really sounded made up but she she was awesome and we had a good laugh about it to this day I wish I could find that photo of me covered in fake blood eating it waffle house <laughs> nice well and that's saying something because i feel like waffle house employees have seen a lot <laughs> so i mean they have chairs totally. so you're like i swear to god i swear to god i ran into a door i swear to god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she's just like uh bobby <laughs> please on the line but you know what that's just you know that's a that's another kudo to, you know, the makeup artists and wardrobe and all that to have you. I like that you said you put on normal clothes because, again, I don't think Waffle House people would bat an eye at what the driver is wearing. <laughs> you might be covered. Well, it was also like 20, 30 degrees out and I had on cut off denim shorts. So, but it is, it is Florida. So maybe no one would have questioned it. Yes. Oh, picture it. Crop top, denim shorts, high heeled sandals. I mean, freezing. Yes uncomfortable yes and you can't freaking tell your your performance is not marred by anything it's such a good movie. oh my god that's awesome I kind of like I kind of was like oh this girl this is real. because then you talk to Warren and he's like oh it's my wife and I and I'm like wait all of this all of this that's you and your wife I said how you guys doing? Are you still married? He's like, oh yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Talk about a power team right there. Um, Warren and Miss Stacy, they literally a dream team. Again, wore so many hats. 
throughout this production. I was so impressed at how they were able to do it all. And I don't know when they ever had time to sleep, just um, but they are truly the kindest people with amazing work ethic. And I, just this film would not have been able to be done without the synergy between those two working together. Absolutely. Well, I know that you have a ton of things to get done before Christmas Eve. I'm fascinated with your background. I'm not going to say too much, but it looks like you're in a cabin and that's cool. So enjoy your holiday. And I know you got a bunch of wrapping to do. What is up next for you? Next for me, first thing starting the new year is Roadkill coming out January 5th, but you already know that. So as I told you earlier, I just finished my degree from UCLA, getting ready to walk in graduation, which is exciting. And I have another feature film coming out next year, probably springtime, called Skill House. It's a horror feature film, so right up your alley. Um, 50 Cent is in it, uh, Bryce Hall is in it, Leah Pipes, Neil McDonough. It's an amazing cast. And whereas Roadkill was intense on the open roads, it's spacious, very high concept and lots of action. This is a horror on the other spectrum of being in confined quarters, claustrophobic, super gory, like gore like you have never ever seen before it's wow. it's going to be a hard watch for some squeamish viewers so sorry in advance if you can't deal with blood bring it on bring it on that and what an incredible uh cast you I know right 50 cent bryce Dallas howard neil mcdonough oh my god this is going to be awesome in that springtime Aww. can people follow you on social media Yes, they can. I'm on Instagram at Caitlin Carmichael, and my TikTok is really Caitlin XOX. It's my username since I was eight. Oh, can't, oh. can't bring it to my heart to change it. And it's Caitlin with an I, right? Yes, C A I T L I N. It's been amazing talking to you. We have to keep in touch because I want to have you back on so we can just dive into all the literary stuff. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's but have a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate. Say hi to grandma and uh have a wonderful one. Thank you. I will. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. This has been an Odd Imagination production. Here at Odd Imagination, you'll find book, film, television, and product reviews, as well as roundtable discussions, current events, and hot topics. We are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Aut Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Aut Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit autimagination.org, A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N.org. And pulling me, she knows all about the drug. I plagiarize all my apologies, and they still want enough. I know, I know, I know that I should let.
seem to be in control I ain't blind and I can see 